Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Go check out the new manifesto on lifestyle design, authored by yours truly, Buy Your Own Island, now available on Amazon. It's been called inspiring and empowering and one of the best new books on entrepreneurship. Lifestyle design for 2015 and beyond. Look for it on Amazon or go download the audiobook for free at buyyourownisland.com forward slash audio dash book. Hey, so I'm joined today by Tyler Basu. He's the host of the Chatting with Champions podcast, and he's just published a book called Lifestyle Business Blueprint. Just want to welcome you to the show, Tyler. Hey, thanks so much, Danny. It's a, it's a pleasure to, to be on the show and to be speaking with you. So Tyler was 22. He was newly married and had no idea what direction he wanted to take in life. He tried a bunch of things like direct sales and network marketing, but nothing seemed to be working out for him. Uh, then he decided that he wanted to be an entrepreneur and uh, started this blog and podcast, and it's kind of grown organically to the point where he is now today as a fully-fledged lifestyle entrepreneur, and I'm excited to talk with him and hear about his experience. So, Tyler, um, maybe you can just uh, expand a little bit on your biography and tell me and the listener a little bit more about you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you kind of, you, you know, gave the framework for what was going on uh, a few years ago when I was 22. And just, you know, leading up to that point, um, I always tell people I, I first developed an interest in business and entrepreneurship um, shortly after high school when I read this book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. And um, I'm from uh, British Columbia, uh, specifically the city of Vancouver, which is a beautiful city, a uh, very expensive city as well. And I, I wasn't fortunate enough to grow up in the nice part of town. I kind of grew up in, in, in the rougher areas, didn't have much growing up, didn't really have too many uh, you know, positive role models or, or successful people around me to emulate. So that book kind of became like my, my first mentor in a way. Um, just kind of you know sh- shook up my mindset a little bit, gave me the uh, the uh, the courage and the, and the belief that I could um, succeed in, in some way. The problem was I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was young, I was shy, I was you know new to to the workforce, um, and so I tried a whole bunch of different things. I just immersed myself in a bunch of industries. Uh, you mentioned network marketing; that was one of them. I went, I worked in retail. I promoted seminars. I traded currencies. Uh, I did door to door sales. I was knocking on doors six days a week for about a year and a half and building sales teams. And that's um, that, I think, is what gave me a, a crash course in business and, and in people skills and in sales and such. Uh, and then I transitioned into real estate. By the time I was 22, um, when I was I was sitting in a seminar, uh, you know, still trying to learn some other some of the other uh, strategies that were out there and trying to learn some of those concepts that have made people successful. And I was taking a real estate program at the time, uh, studying to, to become a, a, a real estate agent. And then while I was in that program, um, I started to uh, experiment online. And so I started um, just very basic with a blog. This would have been in about 2011, uh, maybe early 2012. Um, and then I had the idea to start interviewing people, uh, specifically entrepreneurs, and asking them, you know, what are the principles and the strategies that, that they use to become successful? And so that journey started uh, in 2012. I set up uh, chattingwithchampions.com, started doing the interviews. And it was a little bit slow at first. There's definitely a learning curve. And I, again, I was still uh, studying to be a realtor at the time. So I was only doing about one or two interviews a month you know, writing maybe one or two articles a month and just sharing those things on social media. But I kept consistent. Uh, and after about a year, I kind of found my groove and I, I had more opportunities to do more interviews. And then by 2013, I had launched the podcast. I had published dozens of articles on, on both my own site and on and some other uh, some other sites that are out there as well. Um, and, and really had, had built an audience at that point and more importantly learned um, from so many different entrepreneurs. At, at this point, I've had the privilege of speaking with over 80 uh, entrepreneurs, approaching 90 now, 
Um, and just the things that I've learned from them have been incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I like to, uh, to always try things. So I've tried a lot of the things that, you know, that these guys are doing. I've implemented a lot of the same strategies, uh, you know, blogging and podcasting is one of them or two of them. Um, but I've also done, uh, you know, the ebook publishing thing and uh, more recently the coaching and consulting. So as I've learned the strategies from the people I've interviewed, I've kind of pieced together my business at the same time. So it was kind of like I got, you know, almost a free education in a way. You know, I got to network with all these cool people, learn from them um, because I had that that blog and that podcast as my platform. And I was able to leverage that to learn from these people and then apply some of those things into my own business. Um, yeah, so that that's uh, what kind of, you know, bring will bring you bring your listeners up to speed on where I'm at today. <laughs> It, it seems like the common overarching theme there, Tyler, is that uh, you had no good mentors when you were starting out. And it seems like the common theme is that you, you're constantly looking for mentors and uh, you, were, you were just kind of starting out. You were going out looking for clues or indications of what you should do. You were trying a bunch of things. But why do you think there are so few good mentors uh, to start with, Tyler? Um. I don't know if it's that there's few mentors, but there's definitely limited access to um, the people who really and, and truly have been where you want to go and who are willing to help you. So there's a certain amount of work you got to put in on your own just to get their attention, right? Um, because if these if these people who are in a position to teach somebody how to build a business or, or how how to do something that they that they want to do and they're very successful at it and they're you know an expert or an authority in their field, um, you know their their time is very limited so they can only work with a certain number of people at the same time. And so yeah, I, I didn't have like I didn't work with any one specific mentor one on one up until recently. I mean, I I was just able to uh to 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 get a business coach that I now work with one on one um just late last year. But for the first uh you know 7 8 years uh, my mentors were books, podcasts, audio programs, seminars, workshops, like conferences, you know, and I was just taking bits and pieces from hundreds of different sources, trying everything uh, to see what worked for me. And I, after, you know, probably 90% of what I tried didn't work, I was able to narrow it down to a few things that did work for me. Uh, and I kept those consistent. And as I was able to build momentum and get results with just those few things, you know, it's just getting those few successes that that uh, that really count. I mean, nobody nobody remembers all the things you did wrong, but when they see that you've been able to do just a couple of things <laughs> right, that that's that's what gets yeah. somebody's attention. I think. <laughs> did, did that answer your question? Or? Yeah, absolutely. So, so if you okay. don't have access to these successful people, to the mentors, and you can get access to books, basically, and that can start yeah, the path. Yeah, the next best thing, if you can't get one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, um, intimate access with somebody, uh, maybe that's in the form of them emailing you, maybe it's them taking you for coffee, maybe it's a Skype call. But if you can't get that access or you're, you're not in a position where you can pay for that access, the next best thing is to consume their content. I mean, all of these different experts in all these different fields, they're all putting out so much great content. They've got books, they've got podcasts, they've got blogs. They write articles, even following them on social media. You'll pick up some nuggets of wisdom there. And you just want to kind of, you know, consume as much as you can and just watch what they're doing and pay attention to what they're saying. And you're bound to learn a few good things. Yeah. And I really think that um, we have such access to people. We don't even realize how easy it is to reach people uh, in this day and age. But could you, Tyler, could you tell me about some of those uh, early wins, some of those successes that you mentioned? <laughs> Yeah, so the um the early wins um at first like when I started to do the interviews, uh I would reach out to people uh that I knew. So you know, the first half a dozen or so interviews were mostly um friends or uh referrals that came to me through friends just in my very personal uh network, right? And um so that, you know, I was able to get my feet wet um, I probably wasn't the best interview at the time. <laughs> you know, I was still trying to figure out the whole how it all worked and there's technical issues and this and that. But uh, I was able to get my feet wet 
um, build a little bit of momentum and get a little bit of experience. And then um, once people saw that this was something I was sticking to, uh, it became easier to reach out to some of those high profile guests. And, and by the time that, you know, I had done a few dozen interviews, then, then it became uh, much easier. Um, but some of my first wins, you know, I always tell people that uh, it's important to celebrate the small wins because, you know, the, the big ones come as a result of a whole bunch of little wins consistently over time. Um, and it's important that we celebrate those little wins, right, and, and not give up. So I, I can remember, you know, the first time that uh, I got an email subscriber uh, a few years back. That, I, that was worth celebrating to me, you know. Um, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I wrote my first ebook, uh, it was a, sa- a book on sales that I, I published in 2013. You know, the book didn't, it, it didn't make a whole lot of money, but... Uh, you know, it was an accomplishment getting getting a book online. So right. I took my wife out to dinner, right? Probably spent more money than the, than the book brought in that month, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm celebrating, you know, those those little wins, right? And yeah. uh, you know, I think it's important that we reward ourselves for those small wins because they they uh, it's our it's a way of telling ourselves that hey, you know, we're keep it up, man. It's like we're we're doing something right here. Keep this is even if it's just a small success uh it's evidence that something works so whenever you find something that works for you and that you enjoy doing you know keep doing more of that and and refine it and improve as you go and scale up eventually but remember to uh, to celebrate those small successes so, so yeah so i mean even getting if, even if you're not very good just just go out and just do it and, and gain confidence and gain experience that's 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 what you're saying yeah, absolutely. You got to get you got to get in the game, yeah. especially because of how fast like technology changes and we've got yeah. so much information available to us. It's overwhelming if you're trying to learn everything and do nothing. It's better to balance them both and, you know, consume information, learn, but also implement just as fast as you learn. Um someone once told me that coachability is um, action at the speed of instruction. So even if you don't have a coach, if you're getting information from somewhere, you know, try it right away. Because pretty soon, you know, that, that particular uh, thing that you learned might not work anymore or, or, or it might change in some way. So whatever information you have, whatever resources you have, take what you have, do the best that you can with what you've got, see what result it creates, and then just kind of improve and refine from there but if you're constantly in motion you know it's easy to build momentum when you're in motion than to constantly start from scratch because you're not moving yet yeah that's fantastic you know i'm I'm thinking as you told me that i was thinking of jack canfield uh you know he has the guinness record for having seven new york times bestsellers on the new york times bestseller list at the same time yes Uh, but he if I recall, he, he published maybe more than a dozen books uh, that got no critical acclaim before he published Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't yeah, know his, the exact his... number, but he published a number of books before that without the world caring, without anyone listening to him, without selling many copies at all. I didn't. I didn't know that, and I, I bet most people don't because they know him for his successes, but they don't realize <laughs> that the, this. You know, there's yeah. a lot of failures, if not more failures, that are just you know kind of tucked away where nobody sees. Exactly. Um, but that was a part of his process, his learning process, right? I'm sure each time that he he wrote a book and published a book and it didn't do as well as he thought, he learned something and then he carried that forward into the next one. And you know, maybe it wasn't until the the twelfth or the thirteenth or the fourteenth, but it happened eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know Donald Trump tells a story about uh, a guy who created a soda called, I think, Three Up, and then it failed, oh. and then he started Four Up, Five Up, Six Up. So he made it to Seven. I know Seven Up. <laughs> He gave up. Uh, he gave up after six up, and then someone came along later and created seven up. That's, that's oh, it was, oh, it was somebody else. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a great point you make, though. I mean, people they see, you know, the media features successful people, and we see yeah. them, and it, it seems like oh, they're they're talented or they're especially gifted or they got lucky, but we don't see you know, the tens of thousands of, of hours of struggle and hard work that it took to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, there's a perception that you know success is an event, like it's 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 something that happened. Uh, like for example, a book hitting a New York Times bestsellers list, like Jack's. You know, many of Jack Canfield's books have done. You know, somebody would see that event and say, "Wow, you know, Jack Canfield's a success." But really, the success was the process that happened behind the scenes, and then that result was just the natural. 
uh, or that event, sorry, was just the natural result of a very uh, specific process that was probably, you know, hours and hours and hours of all different, you know, pieces of a puzzle coming together just at the right time and with the right people and with the right skills and all of those different things. Um, that's where where the real where the real value is because you can't get to the event without going through the process. There's no shortcuts. I mean, if you know of a shortcut, please tell me. <laughs> yeah, and you say in your book, um, you have this quote by T. Harv Ecker where you say it's it's not enough to be in the right place at the right time. You have to be the right person in the right place at the right time. And in the book, you make this point that uh, it's not about the vehicle, whether it's network marketing or sales or blogging. Uh, it's about the driver. So, so what is it about someone, would you say, uh, someone like Jack Canfield that, that made him a successful, as far as himself, him as a driver? You know, what, are the, what are the characteristics of a person like that? Based, you know, or based on you know people, successful people that you've interviewed. Yeah, no, good, good question. So you mentioned in the intro that at the age of 22, I had experienced all these different failures in different industries, right? Um, and the reason for that was not the industries; it was it was not the vehicles. Um, you know, the problem was me. I mean, there were people who were succeeding in every one of those industries that I worked in. I just wasn't one of them. And I'm, I learned from Jack Canfield because I read his his book, The Success Principles, when it when it uh, you know when it first came out, um, or the first version of it um, around that time. And I realized that you know there's no point putting the blame on 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 those vehicles or on those strategies or on those industries. I need to assume responsibility for my own results. Um, and what I realized was that uh, the problem wasn't the strategies. It wasn't the vehicles. It, the problem was that. I hadn't learned to be a good driver yet. I hadn't learned to become the right person yet. I, ha I hadn't learned the fundamental principles and habits that make a person successful, regardless of which industry they're in. I mean, if you took a guy like Donald Trump, who does very well uh, in real estate and in many other industries as well, you could throw him into an industry that he's completely foreign to, and he'd probably find a, make it, a way to make it work and make it work on a big scale really fast. Um, because he's got those fundamental business principles that he's mastered and refined over time. Um, and the same would go for Jack Canfield. I mean, he can take those the principles that enabled him to succeed as an author and as a publisher and as, and as the uh, you know the co-founder of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And you could throw him into a different industry, and he'd probably find a find a way to make it work. Because it's not the industry that made him successful; it's him as an individual who learned the 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 certain the habits and the principles that enable someone to succeed. And of course, he shares those uh, in his book, which I'm a big fan of. Um, but so some of the ones that come to mind are uh, definitely uh, consistency and resilience. Um, and I'll expand on those two a little bit. So the first one, consistency, um, I find that no matter what industry somebody is in or what business you're in, um, there are always going to be certain activities uh, that are foundational to succeeding within that industry. Uh, let's say blogging, for example. Um, one of the case studies in my book is a, is a guy named Joel Brown who founded AddictedToSuccess.com. So, and that has become one of the most popular, I think, I think it is the most popular uh, motivation and success website online today. Millions of people visit that site. Um, and so if you take a look at some of the key activities that went into making that site successful, well, one of them is definitely writing articles regularly and consistently and than sharing those articles on social media, uh, little little activities like that. So those are things that he did consistent for years um, before he was able to generate you know significant revenue from the site. Now, had he not kept those things consistent, he might have never reached that tipping point where now the site, um, you know, he could stop writing articles today and the site would still do well because he's got other people contributing. There's so much organic traffic now that the people are just finding the site. I mean, he could take a, a year-long break and it would probably still have grown in that year <laughs> without him, you know, actively adding more content to it. Um, so, but that's because he paid the price of consistency. And so whatever business you're in, you got to identify those, those, you know, those key activities that have the biggest impact and that are absolutely essential um, to making whatever it is that you're doing work long term. And you got to do those things consistently. Um, that's so, going to create that will create the momentum that you're, that you're going to need. Where, where does that consistency come from, Tyler? Is that is that 
the way they approach it? Are they fully committed? Is it a mindset, would you say? Um, so, I mean, consistency, consistency is something that I struggled with, definitely, um, mm-hmm. because for me, uh, I would... I used to get, uh, and I still get, and this is something I've learned to manage though, but I'll get a burst of motivation, right? And then I'll, I'll just devote myself to a specific project or a specific idea and pour all this time and energy into it. And then I'll kind of lose it, lose excitement and, and, and maybe move on to something else. And right. that was a pattern that kept repeating itself, right? I would get into something, be all excited about it at first, try it out, uh, get impatient, get bored, move on to something else, right? Um, so, so the so, real issue here seems to be mental, then, right? Oh yeah, it's it's all mindset. So you got to mm. find a way to um, do the things that you know you need to do, even when you don't feel like doing them, because that that's what consistency is. Um, because you're not always going to feel like doing the things that you need to do. Um, so find a way to you know be hold yourself accountable, or find somebody else who's willing to help hold you accountable to make sure that even when you don't feel like doing those key activities that you know you need to do, you are doing them. A perfect example is sales calls. Like if you're in sales, you got to be making your sales calls. You got you got to be talking to people daily. If you're not talking to people daily, you know, uh, sharing your your presentation with new people on a regular basis, eventually you're you know the the sales are going to run dry. And you're going you're gonna to lose your momentum, you're going to hit a slump, and then you're going to have to motivate yourself up again to get back on the phone or get back to knocking on doors or however it is that you get in front of people and get back to doing it. When if had you just kept doing it, you wouldn't have lost that momentum in the first place. I see. So, so a big key is accountability and finding someone who can keep you accountable as you go through these dips. Yes, absolutely. And what I've done is uh, every week I, I, I put together this little template uh, with Microsoft Excel. Um, and so I print this out every week. I call it my weekly accountability checklist. Um, and on the top of it, I've got a spot where I write down my goals and priorities for the week. And then in the middle of this page, I've got this table with a list of about uh, eight or nine specific habits or activities. These are the things that I want to keep consistent. And they're not just business related. They're, they um, they pertain to every aspect of my life. And so these are the things that I know I need to keep consistent if I'm going to enjoy uh, success and fulfillment in each of the areas of my life long term. And so I've got every day of the week in this table, and I've got a certain number for each activity, and that's the amount of times that I want to do that certain activity during the week. And then I'll, I'll give myself a check mark each time I do it so that at the end of the week I have a score. You know, I, I total up the score and I give myself a percentage. Um, and, you know, I don't, I, I don't always get 100%. I rarely get 100%. Um, but, I'm, but I'm monitoring it. I know uh, specifically which areas I'm falling behind in or I'm slacking on if I'm not getting those those. So it's something that I'm conscious of and that I'm always working on. Um, and that I've been doing that for almost two years now, and it has been uh, you know, absolutely profound. It's, it's, it's helped me big time. I, I love how we, we kind of take a very similar approach to tackling problems in our life and in business where we, we step back and we measure our progress or we measure what we're doing and saying, you know, I want, I want this week to be better than last week. Uh, so, so let me look at the empirical data. And I was wondering, Tyler, do you, do you have a, a template or anything for that, uh, for your accountability checklist that you use? Um, do I have, so the, well, the template I was referring to, like this, the sheet that I print out each week, um, mm. that's something that I created. Um, oh, okay. and then, so I can, uh, you know, I'd be happy to share that with you. I can, I can send you, if the listeners want to see what I'm talking about, um, I can, I'll send you the file. You can put a link to it in the, uh, in, in the episode notes, if you like. Yeah, that sounds, um, that sounds really interesting. I, I'd like to see that. And I think that would be interesting. Well, let's, let's put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, of course. And, and you know, what's really cool is at the end of the week, I'll put it into the binder um, and there's two other spots on this page as well. I leave a spot for notes and reflection. So at the end of the week, I'll think back, you know, did I have any wins? Did I have any um, quote unquote failures that I learned something important from, uh, you know, anything worth uh, remembering, I'll put there. Um, and then I've got another spot for ideas because I've constantly got ideas. Not all of them are good, <laughs> but I'll write them <laughs> down. And then every once in a while, I'll look back and I'll pick out a couple that I think it's time to uh, to to go for. Um, and so, you know, after a few weeks and a few months of doing this, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty cool to go over and open up that binder and just kind of look back on the past months and the past in the past weeks and just see 
like all of the progress, like all of these goals and priorities that I had written down and, and been able to check off, like, you know, in, in any given week, there may only be a couple things I was working on. But if you're constantly doing getting a couple of key things done every single week or even every single day, like a year's going to go by and you're going to be in a completely different place than you were a year ago. Yeah. Um, just because there's a compounding effect of all those little, little wins consistently. Um, so yeah, that was the, the big, uh, you know, a big, a, a key, uh, you know, fundamental principle, I guess, of, um, that I've picked up from, from, from reading and from, in, from reading about successful people and interviewing them. The other one yeah. that I was going to mention was resilience. Um, because there are times when, you know, our motivation and, and our determination is tested and things don't always work out the way we want to. And, you know, it's easy to get down on ourselves. So one thing that successful people definitely have in common is that they've, they've, you know, they've got thick skin. They don't give up every time they're faced with a challenge. They find a way to overcome it or push through it or go around it, but they'll never, uh, they'll never quit on what it, whatever it is that they're working towards. They'll sometimes change their strategy. I mean, if it's a, if a specific strategy is not working, you know, if it's, uh, if, you know, their plan, um, didn't go, uh, the way they wanted it to, you know, they might, they might adapt their approach. Um, but if the dream itself or if the goal itself is, is truly important to them, they'll never give up on the goal, on the goal. They'll just find a different way to get to it. <laughs> I want to dive into, so you said resilience, right? Yes. I, I want to dive into that uh, right now, but I want to go back to consistency. And I, I just love that process you mentioned of tracking and measuring and how you shared that example. Um, I realize that I do that for others in my life as well. Um, yep. well. One thing I like to do is I like to keep a journal and I write, you know, whenever I'm feeling down or upset or anxious for some reason, I just, I like to just write it all out. And then I like to, it's really nice when you can go look back and you can see, okay, this is how I felt in that moment. But how did things really turn out? And, and you realize that, you know, whatever you're feeling in that moment, I mean, it's, it's not going to last, you know, forever. And you're going to bounce back from it. And I find it, I find it just to, to keep track of this stuff is to be really, really constructive and, and just compare yeah. it over time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And there's so, something about putting things on paper. I mean, mm. I, I know there are a lot of people who have like apps and, you know, gadgets <laughs> for, for, for productivity type stuff. I'm, I, I guess I'm old school. You know, I keep uh, a notebook that I, I carry with me um, all the time, especially when I go to events. So I've always got handwritten notes of things that I'm learning from, from books I'm reading or, or podcasts I listen to or a seminar, etc. Then I've got an agenda. So I've got my weekly calendar. I've got all my appointments, all my calls, everything scheduled in the calendar. Um, the, there's a work to-do list, a, a personal to-do list in the calendar. And then I've got this weekly checklist. So I'm, I've got three different things that I'm constantly writing in. Um, and that's how I organize my thoughts. You know, that's how I organize my, my activities. I, um, I'm sure there's, there's ways you can do that with technology, but I might get there one day. But for now, you know, I, I like to, to write with my hands with a pen on paper. We've, we've been using, humans have been using pen and paper for thousands of years. Uh, I don't think it's going to go away too quickly. <laughs> and then I guess my, my biggest fear is if I did do all these things electronically and something went wrong, then, then my life is flipped upside down. And yeah. I'd, be, I'd, I'd be in a big panic there for sure. Not to mention, <laughs> paper is really cheap, you know, to get the latest iPhone or widget. Uh, it's expensive. So. Yeah. yeah. If something happens to your journal or something, you just buy another one for a couple bucks. Exactly. Um, yeah, you know, I do exactly the same thing. I, I was laughing when you said that because I'm actually, uh, I'm writing in my notebook like a sleep log. I'm just kind of okay. keeping track of when I fall asleep and when I wake up and how I feel each day, you know, what the quality of the sleep was. And I realized that it's not anything related to business, but I'm still applying this, this business approach to this area of my personal life that I want to improve on. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I find it, it's, it's just really fascinating. I think, and it's something I've been doing a lot lately and I just, it's, it's really cool and, uh, it's, it's been working really well for me as well. So, that's, um, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's dive into this, this next one, resilience. Uh, you say that people, they, they kind of, you know, they, they stumble and fail, but they, they kind of know where they want to go. Even if things don't work out, they keep going. You know, what, what, creates that persistence that resilience is it kind of a hard-nosed stupidity or <laughs> um i i guess you know there, there could be i mean there are definitely entrepreneurs who you know along the way um 
exhibited, uh, you know, high levels of ignorance or naivety. Uh, and, and that's what kept them pushing towards a vision that everybody else thought they were crazy for pursuing. And eventually they proved those people wrong. Um, so yeah, so may, maybe ignorance is a part of it. Um, and that, and that can be a good thing. It could also be a bad thing. Cause I mean, if you're getting all the signals that say, Hey, what you're doing isn't working. <laughs> and then maybe you should stop spending money and time and effort on it and move on to something else. Um, so it, it depends. Um, I will say that when it, 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 this goes back to mindset. So when something happens, um, and I'll use, uh, I'll use rejection as an example because a lot of people are afraid of rejection. Um, you know, they don't, uh, they, it doesn't make them feel too good when, when somebody rejects them, right? If they're out of their comfort zone and, you know, they're trying to present something or they're asking for something and they get shot down, uh, it doesn't make people feel too good. It makes them feel like, damn, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not moving forward. Everybody's saying no to me. So I'll use rejection as an example. So, um, if somebody does reject you, uh, there's, there's going to be some thoughts that go through your head. Um, the first one is going to be, going to be what just happened, right? So, um, again, I'm just using rejection as an example, but this could be anything. I mean, something you tried didn't work, uh, your business partner, uh, quit on you, uh, somebody let you down, whatever. Uh, whatever the case is, something's creating a challenge or a frustration for you that's preventing you from, from, from getting to where you want to go. So the first thing you got to do is you ask yourself, okay, what just happened? And just identify, you know, identify the event. Um, and the event itself doesn't have any meaning until you give it some meaning. So the next question you ask yourself is, what does this mean? And so if your answer is, oh, this means I suck, this means I'm doing everything wrong, this means uh, this isn't working, I should quit, then, you know, that, that meaning that you just gave the event is going to dictate what you do next, um, which is going to be your response to the event. So if it, if, if you, you know, consciously or unconsciously um, attach the meaning that uh, you're no good, you should quit, um, then that's probably what you're going to do. So in those moments where something happens um, that, you know, you might perceive as being negative uh, or, you know, a roadblock or a setback or, or you know, somebody says no, um, you know, just change up the meaning that you assign to that event. Say, okay, well, what if somebody just says no to me, what does that mean? Well, it means I should probably just go ask somebody else <laughs> or I should keep trying or I just haven't found the right person yet. Uh, so when you, you know, take control of your own mind, take control of your own reaction in those moments. Um, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and, and he says it's in our moments of decision that our destiny is created. So in those moments where you have the opportunity to decide what the event means, just decide to that it doesn't mean much and it just means you need to keep moving forward and that all of those roadblocks and rejections and setbacks along the way, those are just like the price that you need to pay to get where you want to go. And everyone who stops when they get to those things, those are the people who aren't paying the price um, or the full price um, that it's going to take to get them where they want to go. So every time that you keep going, when things aren't working out as planned, you know, you're, you're one step ahead of the, of the other guy who's working towards the same vision, but who gave up when that event happened. So, um, yeah, yeah. does, does that answer your question? You basically got to redefine what the event means and, and make sure that you become your biggest cheerleader and not your biggest critic in that moment. Yeah. So, so successful entrepreneurs, they kind of have this reality distortion field where they're able to take any event and interpret it positively, right? Yeah, exactly. They, yeah. They'll choose how they interpret it, and they'll make sure that those interpretations serve them. It, it also reminds me of this uh, Stockdale paradox uh, by, that Jim Collins talks about in Good to Great, uh, where he, he talks about prisoners in the Vietnamese War, uh, Vietnam War, um, where the ones that, you know, they, they were really too optimistic, said that, like, you know, hey, we're going to get out of here in a month, you know, and then a month would pass, four months would pass, and they don't survive. Uh, but then there's there was other people who were like, you know, we're going to get out of here eventually, but it's it's going to be a hard, you know, it's going to be a hell of a time, you know, getting there. Uh, mm -hmm. So so they were able to kind of accept the the brutal facts of their current reality, but yes. still remain optimistic in their eventual success. Yeah. So that was a good balance of optimism and realism. That's a, that's a great example. I haven't actually heard that story. That's a great example. Yeah, the Stockdale Paradox, uh, Jim Collins. Um, yeah, awesome. So, you know, I, I've been experimenting with some different things like uh, how to cultivate that mindset. 
I find a gratitude journal works really well for me. Uh, what are some things that you do, Tyler? Um, I used to be really big on affirmations. Uh, in fact, I still have a list of affirmations right here, like on, on my whiteboard in my home office. Um, and I'll glance at them every, you know, every, every once in a while, every few days or so. But I used to read them daily. Um, and just, and, and none of them were true at the time. <laughs> so, uh, but I wasn't, you know, trying to be delusional in, in, in any way. I was just trying to reinforce my own self-worth and my own self-confidence in myself, right? So, um, there's a list of about 30 affirmations, um, that I would, I would recite aloud in the morning and, and sometimes at night. Um, just to keep reinforcing a positive belief system. Um, I think that just because of the, uh, you know, the neighborhood I grew up in and, and a lot of the people that I grew up around, um, you know, most of us didn't believe that we were going to, that we would grow up to be successful. Most of us, um, you know, had pretty low expectations, um, for what we could achieve and what we could, um, do it with our lives. So I had to, uh, kind of reprogram some of that stuff. I, I've done a lot of, a lot of work and spent a lot of time on, um, I guess reconditioning my mindset in a way. Um, and I've also, um, you know, proactively limited the amount of time um, that I spend with people who I feel um, just aren't really going uh, somewhere that, that I would want to go um, or that who I wouldn't want to rub off on me in any way. So I've had to, you know, just limit the, the amount of time and the communication that I have with certain people that used to be in my life and that aren't, aren't so much anymore and just and constantly be adding new people into my life who I respect and admire and who I look up to and, and I aspire to be like. And uh, just by changing up those associations, um, within my within my personal network uh that has had a a big impact on my life for sure um you know consciously consciously making that decision to always try to be surrounding myself with people who are ahead of me so that hopefully they rub off on me in some way <laughs> i see and so the way that you found them is you just go out and you you interview them for your show yeah, definitely. The podcast is one of them that, you know, deciding to interview people is one of the best decisions I ever made. But even before that, I mean, I was constantly uh, networking, going to seminars um, and even reading the books. Right. There there have been so many nights where I have chosen to stay home and read a book or, or walk a, watch a documentary or uh, take an online course or something on my own time versus going out and say partying or going to a club. I mean, I. I I can count on like one hand the amount of times that I've gone to, I've gone out to do something like that. Cause I'm just, I'm just more happy to, uh, to be, to be around successful people. And if I can't be around them, I'm going to get, you know, put their content in front of me. And I'd, I'd rather do that than, than be out there and, and, uh, be mixing up with, with, with the wrong kind of stuff. So yeah, a lot of people go out and they do those things and they go out and drink because they want to forget about their lives. Or forget about what yeah. happened in the week. <laughs> I mean, I I love to I love to go out and have a good time. But when I go out to have a good time, it's because I'm celebrating something. Yeah. I don't go out to escape a reality in any way. You know, I'll go out because it's somebody else's. You know, it's somebody else's celebrating something. Maybe it's a birthday or an anniversary or something. Or I or I've done something worth going out and you know I'll take my wife out to dinner or we'll go to a comedy club or or we'll go to a concert or something like that. But it's always to it's never to escape. A reality that I'm unhappy with. It's always to re reward myself um, for achieving that next milestone in the reality that I'm creating. Okay, well let's let's shift gears a little bit and, and talk about how we can uh, engineer this lifestyle business. Uh, we, we talked a lot about the inner game that makes entrepreneurs successful. Uh, let's shift focus and, and talk a little bit about business and money. Uh, you mentioned rejection earlier, but I'm thinking about what happens if uh, I release a product and no one buys it, doesn't make a sale, you know. <laughs> uh, I feel like a lot of people are get this frustration because they, they try stuff, uh, but it doesn't, doesn't make any money. You know, they, they're mm -hmm. blogging, they're podcasting. Those are the two of the, the vehicles that you mentioned in your five strategies. Uh, but they haven't monetized them yet. So what would you yeah. say to them? So regardless, uh, I mean, this, this is a common occurrence. And if you've ever watched that show, uh, like Dragon's Den or, or Shark Tank, you see entrepreneurs show up with a product that they're absolutely in love with. And they've spent all this time and effort and, and money on creating it. Uh, and then they're faced with the hard truth that nobody's buying the, the thing. Nobody wants it. It's been done already. Uh, it doesn't work. And they just refuse to give up on it. 
Um, it's un- it's really unfortunate. Um, but they ig- those people uh, they ignore a certain fundamental principle, and I- and I've made the same mistake. I mean, I've invested time creating things that nobody cared about. I've promoted things that nobody wanted to buy. Uh, you-, you know, I- I've I've done that stuff. But what I've learned, um, and what I would tell somebody who's just getting started is, if you want to avoid that headache, you don't start with a product. Um, you start with an an need and an audience. So go out there and talk to people. If you have a specific passion, you know, maybe you have a passion for uh, fitness or or a certain sport or whatever it is, golf maybe, you know, go out and talk to people um, who are also interested in that thing uh, or wh- whatever that topic is um, and start and, and engage them in a conversation. You got to find out, uh, you know, what people um, already have available to them. I mean, what resources do they already have? What products and services are they already um, buying within that specific um, topic or niche? And then find out uh, where there might be a void. I mean, is there is there a specific problem that they haven't found the solution to yet? Um, and then that way, when you understand, when you pick a, a, a you know, a segment of the market, we'll call it a, a niche or a target audience. When you, when you speak to, uh, you know, a certain audience and you begin to understand their needs and what it is that they're looking for um, and what it is that, do, that they don't have that they need and that they'd be willing to pay for, you know, then you get some ideas for a product or service. Um, and so if you've got, you know, enough people that have said, yeah, you know, I've got this problem and I can't find a solution for it. Um, if you were to create that, I, I'd totally buy it from you. Like if you're getting that kind of feedback from people, then you can go over and create something um, and you'll have the confidence ahead of time to know that, you know, that you're creating exactly what somebody already told you they wanted. So that'll save you, that'll save you some headache. And so that applies to blogging. It applies to podcasting. It applies to, you know, um, coaching, consulting. You know, these are some of the strategies that are talked about in the book. But the principle is that you find, you find a market that has a need and then you become the person who helps them to, uh, to, to solve that need. And so if you take that approach, as opposed to creating something that you think is cool or that you think is awesome and then trying to push it on the world and trying to promote it to the world and and people don't really want that or they weren't ready for it or they didn't need it yet, then you're going to waste a lot of time and energy and experience and frustration. Whereas if you find a, find out ahead of time what people want, what they don't have yet, and then you be the one to either find it and introduce it to them or create it yourself, then uh, you, you'll be more likely to succeed. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice for when you're creating a, a product or a service uh, that wants that you want to actually sell. But uh, tell me about at what point do you reach the tipping point, Tyler? Where uh, you know John Lee Dumas talks about this, where he he has to build up his audience to a certain point before he can start to monetize it. When 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 do people reach that tipping point where uh, you know they not only have they made their first dollar, but they're also able to start earning a living doing what they want doing what they want to do. Can you, can you tell me about that exact moment when you realized that you were able to make a living doing this? <laughs> yep. So um, okay. the moment where I realized that, wow, what I'm doing might actually be working um, was because the, the you know the, what me and you do is we create free content, right? You've got the podcast, you've got the blog, right? You're creating free content, um, which helps you know give people a great great information. It attracts an audience, but it doesn't it doesn't free content doesn't make any money. It builds an audience. Um, which is the first step to eventually making money um, because – and this is something you also talked about when, uh, you know, prior to the interview, you talked about the importance of getting the, those first 1,000 true fans. Um, and that so that could be considered a tipping point. For me, um, when I realized that all the work that I had put in, uh, creating articles – you know, uh, giving away ebooks for free, doing free promotions on Amazon, doing podcast interviews, and just spending hours and hours and hours uh, giving away as much value as I could without expecting anything in return. Um, the smallest sign that I got that what I was doing was was working was a message on Facebook on Facebook that that came from somebody I had never met in person. I didn't even know who they were, and they said, "Tyler, you know." I've been watching what you're doing. I need some help. Do you offer consulting? And so a little sign like that was like, okay, awesome. <laughs> this is uh this is this is working. So and at that time I 
prior to that moment, I had never um, charged somebody for consulting before. I had never even thought to do it. Um, but I didn't want to say that to the guy. So I said, yeah, of course, I sometimes do consulting. Um, you know, what, what do you need help with? Well, let's get on Skype. And I, I, I think I charged him like a hundred, a hundred bucks or something um, to talk on Skype for an hour, and he absolutely loved it. He he had some very specific questions. I helped him solve a very specific challenge. He got started. He took action, and over the next few months, he made some pretty cool things happen. Followed up with me again, um, and since then, I've helped this guy um, multiple times since then. But how, uh, how long so ago that, was that, Tyler? That would have been. Um, in the beginning of 2014, I think maybe late 2013, early 2014. Okay, so, so it, was, just, it was about a year into uh, your interviewing and blogging? Yeah, so that would have been um, almost, uh, let's see, when did I start? I started the podcast, ended. So that would have been a few months. I had been doing the interview since uh, or mid-2012, but I launched the podcast end of 2013. So um, from the moment I launched the podcast and got it on iTunes, within a couple, I think it was a few weeks, maybe a couple months after that, that I got the message from the guy. Um, I had been blogging at that point for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, at that point, it had probably been close to two years of creating free content, putting it out there, um, with getting very little in return apart from the occasional uh, affiliate commission. Or I used to put Google ads on the site that brought in a little bit and, um, and the ebook and the ebook royalties at that point, I had, there's a, some of those coming in as well, but that was the first sign that, you know, somebody, uh, reaching out and asking for help and willing to pay for it. That told me that the stuff that I had done had attracted the kind of person who want who who needed my expertise, and that that gave me the signal that you know I should really start thinking about um, taking all of these things that I've learned and packaging it in a way such that I can help the next the next person. Okay, so that's that's what you did immediately following up with that consultation. Uh, you you took that information and, and you converted it into these books that you published because you published four books. Yeah. So since then. Okay. Um, uh, tell, tell me about what happened after that and how you've been able to build on that success. I guess yeah, of course. Um, so after that, um, I was able to help him. Um, I've helped a, f- a couple of other people along. This is throughout 2014 I'm referring to. Um, and so by the end of 2014 um, was when I realized, uh, and this is also when I started working on this this last book that I just published, I went over and um, I got myself a coach. And this is somebody who who specializes in teaching people how to actually build their coaching business. Because I guess I would con- just have considered it maybe a side hustle or kind of like a hobbyish. I wasn't really a priority of mine because I was still doing the podcasting, still um, you know so focused on the book and such. Um, but when I decided that I wanted to uh, make coaching. Um, an actual like primary focus and 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 do it at at a minimum part time and eventually full time. Um, I went and got myself a coach, and so he's helped me kind of structure that end of things, put together an actual um, you know an, an actual offering and an actual program that I can guide people through. And so since then, I've been able to uh, since the beginning of this year, I've taken on a few clients, um, and then this book has now um, you know brought some more. Uh, it's helped to attract some more people that I'm that I'm starting to work with now. So over the next few months, I'll I'll end up with a um, you know with a full plate of coaching clients. I'll be I'll be doing it full time um, and making that you know w- one of the primary focuses. I'll still do the podcast. I'll still probably write more books, but um, because of all the work that I've put in, you know, over the past few years, that's what's kind of positioned me to be able to do this now. So from from this point forward, the uh, the primary focus is going to be on offering that one on one coaching, and uh, and probably some some higher ticket courses or, or or maybe even like a membership site or something along those lines as well. I see. So it's all kind of coming together now. It's it's kind of this concept of accumulated effect, basically. Everything you're doing is building off off itself and off each other. Exactly, and you have these these five uh, methods that you you all kind of deploy simultaneously, which are uh, blogging, podcasting, information marketing, which is I take it self publishing, uh, freelancing, and coaching. And so you're just kind of uh, reacting to what the market feedback is out there, and you're just continuing to put out new products, extending your your reach, building your audience, and uh, finding new ways to monetize. Is that right? 
Yeah, and so and you so you just mentioned the five strategies um, okay. that are outlined in the book, mm-hmm. um, and I just want to point out that those five strategies um, can work in, in in any industry. I mean, if your thing is helping somebody train their dog, I mean, you could there's there's need there's needs for that. There's people who need to learn how to train their dogs. They've got dogs that are out of control. <laughs> so I mean, you can take any one of those things, and you could do a podcast. On you know, helping those people learn how to train their dog, you could start a blog. You could put together an ebook. You could do. Um, you could offer. You know, you come in and do some coaching um, with them, or you know, work with them on a one-on-one basis. I mean, any of those strategies could work. But the principle is that you're serving somebody who has a need, and that you've got um, an, an expertise with that need. I see. I see. So. The best way to discover those needs is just to get out there and get some experience and, and get in front of people, whether it's blogging or doing your own market research, just, just putting yourself out there, you know, step by step. And Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the ideal scenario, um, okay. and I refer to this as somebody's sweet spot, is if you can find that place where your passions, something that you that you absolutely love, that you think about all the time, you'd never get sick of doing, something that you're good at, um, and so you've got the expertise or the skills uh, more so than the average person might, um, and that there is an obvious demand for that. If you can find a place where those three things intersect, that's uh, your sweet spot, and that's a place that's worth you know pursuing a business in. Great. Well, thank you for that, Tyler. Is there any um, other piece of advice that you'd like to impart before we wrap this up? Um, yeah. So one one piece of advice I'd like to share is, you know, for if anybody's just getting started, um, you know, there's so much information out there. Uh, and it can be a little bit overwhelming to try to go through it all and, and, and figure out what works for you. So the best advice I could do is, um, you know, find somebody, once you've identified what it exactly is that you want to achieve, just go find somebody who's done that and see if they can help you out. Because that'll, that, I mean, I don't believe that there are shortcuts to success, but there's definitely ways that you can avoid making ridiculous amounts of mistakes and ridiculous amounts of hours on, on trial and error if somebody shows you how to do things right uh, and, who's spe- and who's speaking from experience. So, um, you know, if, if you can find a mentor of some kind, do it. Um, and then the next best thing would just be to find somebody who, who's done what you want to do and consume their content, read, the, read their book or, or visit their blog or, you know, whatever it is that they're doing to share what they know, uh, you know, consume that stuff. And Tyler, you've made it easy for people to find these mentors because you've kind of collected them all on your, your podcast and your blog. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah. I've definitely had the opportunity to speak to a few, but there are so many out there. And I, and I love podcasts. So, you know, whatever your interest is, go over to iTunes, do a keyword search for whatever it is you want to learn. There's probably a podcast on that, and you'll, you'll probably be able to learn some cool things. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. Well, guys, go check out Tyler's podcast, Chatting with Champions, chattingwithchampions.com, and also his book, Lifestyle Business Blueprint. Uh, it's, it's really cheap right now. I think it's two ninety nine at the moment. Uh, I mean, it's, it's great value for what you pay. There's, there's all kinds of tips, and uh, it's chock full of techniques. You're guaranteed to learn something new uh, from the book and also from the podcast. Awesome, thanks, Danny. And I will say that um, if somebody wants to, uh, if somebody w- wants to, they can read the first few chapters of the book for free. Um, just go over to my my personal website, tylerbasu.com. There's no opt-in or anything required. You can literally just read the the first few chapters. And if it does pique your interest and you want to grab it from Amazon, there'll be a link there to do that. Great. Well, thank you so much, Tyler, for this uh, interview and for your time. No problem, Danny. It was a pleasure speaking with you. <laughs>